Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, July 10th, 2008. Spirit is a most mysterious phenomenon that is the energy source that sustains all of life. The exploration holds infinite possibilities to co-create your true existence and understand your most desired experience. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Evo Dominguez, Jr., a visionary and practitioner of a variety of esoteric disciplines, also a professional astrologer since 1980, and has been offering professional consultations and insightful readings since 1988. He has made appearances at many human gatherings, conferences, and venues across the United States, offering his wisdom and teachings. Evo has been active in Wicca and the pagan community since 1978, and has been teaching since 1982. He's also a founding member of Keepers of the Holy Chalice, the first coven of the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel, a most precious Wiccan tradition. He currently serves as one of the elders of the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel and and is also involved in the Western magical tradition and the folk regions of Europe. His techniques and insights are rooted in a synthesis of traditional metaphysics teachings, modern science, and the memories from past lives. He is the author of Spirit Speak, Knowing and Understanding Spirit Guides, Ancestors, Ghosts, Angels, and the Divine. There are several other books in the pipeline, including his long-awaited book on the fairy realm and nature spirits. Evo and I will delve into his wonderful book tonight, Spirit Speak. So Evo, welcome and share with us the inspiration for this most phenomenal book, Spirit Speak. (laughs) Well, um... I think the biggest inspiration actually uh, came from uh, a a tree on our property. Um, I was literally uh, sitting under the tree. Uh, I have the good fortune of uh, living across from the state forest and also living on a big chunk of forested land, so I get to be out in nature quite a bit. And I was sitting under the tree and had been thinking about several discussions that I'd had with uh, friends and, and colleagues over the course of, oh, about a month or two, and it just uh, I got this nudge from the tree. It felt that it was time to write this book. And any time that uh, I had a concern about which direction I should take the book in, I would go to that tree and, and sit and listen. Um, interestingly enough, uh, when I finished the first draft of the manuscript, um, the message I got loud and clear was, it's great start, start over again. And uh, as is true any time that I get a message that's, that's significant and that big a deal because to anyone who has written uh, anything of any length, a lot of work goes into it. And the message I was given was to begin all over again. And uh, after checking in with myself and 
checking in with uh, both uh, people around me and also listening for other guidance. I, yeah, that's what I did. I literally deleted um, all the chapters off my hard drive and started from scratch. And it was wow. a, big leap of, a big leap of faith. And a lot of it came back in a very similar way in the process of rewriting it, but it really uh, deepened it in a big way. But for me, it was a balancing of both listening to guidance and also making sure that uh, I'd gotten the message right. The other thing that on a purely uh, cognitive level, um, I'm one of those people that it's simply not enough to believe. Um, there has to be uh, knowledge as well as faith. So that the book was also a way for me to explore what I believed and also what I had observed in my own experiences and in the um, communal experiences in, in both ceremonies, uh, healing sessions, and consultations. So it was really a lengthy process, but the inspiration, I suppose, started by uh, a nudge from a spirit that uh, is connected to a particular tree. And whether or not it was the tree or just that that was the portal through which that nudge came, that's the starting point for the book. Wonderful. And I wonder if it resonates with me so much. I completely understand. I had a very parallel experience in 2005 in the Redwoods. Mm. Mm. And I lived in um, San Francisco in Marin County in the Redwoods, uh-huh. in a very small town. And they came to me, an angel actually came to me with my book, and she showed me it, and she said, this is your, your next step. And I great. thought, well, that's great, but I'm going to start with an article. <laughs> I, I downsized her. <laughs> yeah, so, so often uh, when, we, when we get uh, any kind of guidance or information, and, and from whatever level of being uh, we connect with, it really is sometimes a question of figuring out what will work within um, you know, this plane and the framework of our lives in that moment. Uh, and it's kind of a balancing act between no, humans, I think, know best how to be human and what to do here. And sometimes the guidance um, is the right essence in the right direction, but figuring out how to make it work here, that's our job. Yes, and you know, I'll, I'll go right here into right yeah. into something you said in Spirit Speak in um, towards the end of the book. You said, there are truths that are deduced by the powers of the mind and truths that are uncovered by the powers of the soul. The truth of informed subjectivity which is one of the foremost goals for those working with the spirits, requires both the powers of the mind and the soul. And I thought that was a very profound statement that touches upon what we were just saying, in that it is a balancing act with listening to spirit and receiving messages, but also filtering it in the fact that there's a mind and body involved. <laughs> sure, and, and, and linear time and all, and all the forms that we deal with here, yeah. I think that's probably one of the most profound messages that I pass on to my clients and to people. It's like they want to, in a sense, they want to become, they want to surrender their life to spirit and remain unaccountable for the outcomes because then they can just blame, oh, it was that spirit guide again. Or, you know, it was that it was a spiritual entity, and I always have to remind them that that's just like somebody on earth. If your friend says, you know, go marry this guy, it doesn't mean you go marry that guy. You really, like, weigh the source and consider what meets your needs. <laughs> and even, and even, even if it's a trusted source, um, uh, whether it's a, a friend or an entity that you've uh, had a long association with, let's say that we were talking about, oh, I don't know, um, an expert in a field or uh, an excellent uh, healer or physician, or um, the best weatherman on the planet. The bottom line is even the best is only going to be able to make uh, maybe an 80, 85% accurate guess. 
because so long as um, so long as you are implementing it, it's got to be filtered through the lens of who you are. Um, even even if uh, any being that we are likely to have a clear contact with has to frame it in ways that we can understand, uh, and, and that limits the accuracy, even if they're really accurate. Have you ever seen um, the talking boards that have been used in um, efforts to show how uh, chimpanzees and orangutans and um, our close relative apes um, can communicate by, say, pointing at a button or pressing a button and forming a sentence by either po poking at a talking board or a keyboard that then produces um, words? Yes. Have you seen that? You've seen that done? I'm sure it's, it used to be a rare thing, but now be, because of various uh, uh, television programs and whatnot, most people have seen that or have seen people with various physical disabilities speak using something similar like uh, Stephen Hawking does nowadays. Well, when when a being that um, doesn't have a form such as ours is trying to get our attention and speak to us, it's almost like they're rummaging through uh, whatever surface of our thoughts they can reach, whatever places we store words and images, and pointing and poking at those in the same way that um, a, a, one of our chimpanzee cousins or a person with a, a physical disability might poke and prod at that limited number of symbols and words to try to make something intelligible. Yes, very valid point. Really trying to bring in something from the infinite through a limited means. Yeah, I mean, uh, we all language is you know finite by definition, and it, it's an even smaller subset when we think about what any one of us um, has at easy access in terms of words or images or concepts in our mind. So the the, the meeting place where the communication takes place is ultimately only as good as, as, as the consciousness and the knowledge. Of, of the individual, and and that that puts some you know parameters on what's possible. So, I think it's very valuable to um, seek out uh, guidance and messages, but you're only as good at receiving and implementing those as you've developed yourself. Mm, very important the, point. You're the final instrument. You're the final instrument for implementing things here. Yes, that final layer of perception comes through yeah. us. Has to be very, very valid point. As, as I picked up the book, what I really like about the book, Spirit Speak, uh -huh. Knowing and Understanding Spirit Guides, Ancestors, Ghosts, Angels, and the Divine, is that it really breaks down the concept of what is a spirit guide, what is a spirit, right. what is a ghost, what is an ancestor, what is mediumship, channeling, mediation. It really takes all these basic, very basic concepts but you know what happens with terminology is one person says a word and then, like, for example, spirit guide. I mean, what mm -hmm. does that mean? If we asked 50 people, we would get a lot of different definitions. I oh, don't think we'd probably absolutely. find a uniform result. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, think, I think that sometimes uh, when there is either mm, confusion uh, or disagreement in people that are trying to do this work, it's simply because we, we really don't have a common dictionary that we can point to and say, this is how we're using this word. And, and in some cases, um, it even becomes fuzzier because ultimately it depends on which layer of things you're looking at. For, for example, um, I ultimately believe that the universe is one thing and that um, all spirit is ultimately one. And yet, I work with um, God's goddesses, um, spirits of the dead, the ancestors, which I've used a different thing, spirits in nature, 
um, angels, uh, occasionally beings that I don't even know what I would call. Because, uh, you know, the, the great mystery is that uh, that great one has been divided up into different sized chunks at different levels of development. And I'm not, and, and, and some people might say, well, you know, shouldn't you always head straight for, for the ultimate divine? And I would say that it may be that for some that might be a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, but you have to be properly equipped. Let me give you an example. Let's pretend from, have you ever been to a, uh, a gallery opening or an artist uh, opening? Certainly. And, uh, and then there, you know, and here you are, and there's a bunch of people wandering about, having all the uh, free, uh, you know, uh, broccoli and cheese and crackers and wine or juice or whatever it is that they're serving. And I actually have friends that that's how they survived college. They they went to every art opening, and that was their dinner. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but but um, and occasionally the artist will hang out and and uh, kind of incognito because they really want to see how people are responding to their paintings. Let's say it's paintings, for example. And let's say that it's a great success and there are a lot of people going around and looking at these beautiful paintings and going, wow, or whoa, that really moves me, or dude, or, or some, some kind of uh, unframed sound that uh, means, wow, that's just amazing. Which, of course, makes the, the artist's you know, heart flitter, flutten, and they're all excited. But, you know, after a while, that gets kind of boring. And then they wait, and then they wait. And then finally, in the corner of the room, they see somebody who's walking around and cocking their head to one angle or another. And then they start saying to, their, uh, to, to, to nobody in particular, wow, I really like the way that the warm colors here lead you to the cool colors and how the stuff in the front has just enough shadow on it so it pops out and if I step back further, I can see how there's like a whole zigzag progression from the front to the back. It's somebody who's actually getting what the painting's about. Yes. I think that I think that the artist, whether you consider that to be the ultimate divine or the particular uh, god or goddess or the particular uh, deva or nature spirit that made that little valley look the way it did, you know what? They love it when people ooh and ah but it really, really excites them when somebody gets their art. So I, I guess one of the things I would say in, in this time when so many people are exploring and growing, that perhaps it's it's important to balance also, yes, be excited, be, enjoy, just experience, be in the now and all those you know good popular uh, phrase of the moment things, but also realize that it's only by understanding and knowing with with um, the linear stuff the cognitive stuff and getting that that then you have a deep enough appreciation so that you're actually really communing with things because the artist whether it's one of the big guys or one of the small guys appreciates it the most when it's an informed criticism or an informed appreciation I would have to agree and immediately I think of A Course in Miracles one of their their statements says that uh, peace comes through understanding of the mind. And and that really just goes to show, again, that balance of that human side and really the importance of understanding in the human experience to bring that that experience of that eternal peace, that, mm-hmm. that you know, mm-hmm. essence of who we are forever um, back to earth. And so understanding for me, when I personally, have, you know, have a very scientific background, 
when I first came across the Course of Miracles, I think that was one of the statements that went on to a note card. (laughs) 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 To really help grasp the concept concept and feel okay with the fact that as I understood, I would become more empowered and be able to understand myself and others at a greater depth versus Mm -hmm. just that, that first or second layer. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> so we're speaking with Evo Dominguez Jr. and I'd like to let you know you can explore him on the web at www.evodominguezjr.com. Again, www.evodominguezjr.com. Great. So tell me the evolution of your experience with non-physical beings that helped to shape oh, yeah. your path. <laughs> well, um, I guess if I had been born uh, a number of decades later, I'd probably be labeled uh, an indigo child or a star child or any of the other names applied to um, the, the rash of kids that are a little extra special. Sure. Um, from the time I was a child, I was always seeing things. And I, when I was little, I assumed everybody else was seeing the same glowy colors around people and things moving around. And, and uh, it... it after a bit, I started figuring out that not everybody's invisible friends were real. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that came as a shock. Um, I have a really good memory, so I actually remember way, way, way back into my childhood. And um, I, I suppose I, I started quieting up a little bit about um, you know sharing what I was seeing and, and feeling. But I, I, for me, it wasn't a choice, honestly. Um, I remember when I was a child... We were visiting uh, my paternal grandfather, and uh, I got told in no uncertain terms that he was going to die while we were visiting. And I wasn't particularly sad because I, I didn't I didn't have a, a fear of death uh, at that point either. And um, I just made it a point of making sure that we got out the tape recorder and we, we recorded some conversations with my granddad, and you know everybody thought I was just I just the kid wanted to have them play with the microphone and the tape recorder. Mm-hmm. It was an old reel-to-reel because it was a long time ago. Um, and granddad passed that night in his sleep, perfectly peaceful, didn't even wake up my grandmother that was next to him, passed peacefully in his sleep, which is a great way to go. But in the next day, I wasn't surprised, and I wasn't particularly sad, which on the one hand, I that made things rather uncomfortable for my family. But on the other hand, it kind of proved to me again that, yeah, I, I guess I should listen to these things and I should uh, pay attention. Um, I would spend lots of time outdoors when I was a child uh, uh, until it was, you know, getting dark and uh, they were yelling for me to come in. I was always outside. So I spent quite a bit of time out in the woods, out in, in, in nature, and, and listened very intently there as well. So I suppose for me it was always there. Um, I was raised, well, they tried to raise me Catholic, um, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, it, it wasn't quite a standard issue Catholic because I'm Cuban. So and Cuban Catholicism is not quite the same as, as, uh, um, uh, the Catholicism in, in the States. Um, it has a lot more, um, A lot more validation of of our connection to to uh, the those that have passed on, for example. Okay. It also and and also as a child, 
I honestly didn't see what the difference was between lighting candles and putting them in front of little statues of saints and um, lighting candles and putting and people that were putting them in front of other things. And so what's the difference between the, the good Christians and, and the heathens? So by the time I was very disillusioned um, by by church, and by the time I was ten, I thought of myself as an atheist. And by the time I was eleven, I knew that it wasn't possible for me because I had had too many um, verified experiences of of either dreams or outright visions, or um, looking at somebody and seeing something in their energy that would happen shortly thereafter. So for me, it really wasn't a choice. So then I said, fine, I have to find a religion that works for me. So I went on along journey of going to you know lots of different churches a couple of synagogues um didn't ever get to a mosque as a child because there simply weren't any nearby but i read the quran as well and ultimately decided that um um, the flexibility inherent in uh, an emergent religion like wicca made most sense for me but i'll tell you um i think of religions in the same way that i think of the cuisine that people prefer um some people, you know, like spicy food. Some people like blander food. Some people like Chinese food. Some people like uh, Indian food. Some people like Mexican food. And they all are a matter of what fits that person's taste and also what their tummy and tongue can take. But ultimately, it's all about nourishment. So in some ways for me, the, the religious part of my practice is, in some ways distinct from my knowledge of what deeper truths are, which I think of as being the real nourishment. But um, the way that I uh, celebrate uh, the, the life and divinity on a day-to-day basis, uh, and the ceremonies that I keep, uh, the holidays that I keep, that's, that's, that's in the same realm as, as uh, food preference and, and style preference. It's what makes my heart sing, but it isn't the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is to, is to eat well, do you see the comparison I'm making? Absolutely, and I validate that analogy very well, very much so. And it's interesting. We have very parallel um, experiences. I also I so. <laughs> would, would say I'm highly characteristic of indigo energy. And, you know, just to, I just want to make this point um, very clear because I also have many clients that come to me. Uh-huh. Indigo energy, from my understanding, the evolution of it began in the 1920s um, with yes. the human species really about maybe five years or so before the Great Depression. Uh And it was to really catalyze us into our spiritual essence at a time when the greatest power hold in the the world hit an economic decline that couldn't be, you know, go unnoticed. And so it really gave an energetic gap for indigos to enter. And so each decade there would be, you know, maybe 10% and then 18%. And there was just a gradual increase. So part of my journey has been meeting indigos from the age of, you know, birth and Uh three months old to in their 70s and 80s. And they've come across my path in very unique situations in very, very random spiritual, you know, synchronous ways, spiritually synchronous experiences. And so I want people to know that there's actually a website, and I want to mention it, it's www.metagifted.org. And they have 25 adult indigo characteristics on that website. So I want people to understand that the indigo phenomenon that is so hyped up is very accurate about the children. However, it's also very clearly defining what many of us are experiencing and can help many understand their role and feel the validation that 
yes, they did see those spirits when they're little, and yes, they are here to lead the revolution for these highly gifted children because they understand them <laughs> and can relate to them. Sure. Yeah. When 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 we think about you know big changes in the world, and you know depending upon you know which which uh, beliefs you adhere to, um, it can be described different way. But a lot of people have a fair consensus that we are you know in the midst of uh, a great transition of one kind or another, and you can label it um, whatever you like, but. You know, one of the things that I believe in, and this is as much a borrowing from science as anything else, the bell-shaped curve is everywhere. And part of what happens in evolution is that that bell-shaped curve where, you know, in the middle you have most of the people, and that's technically the, the, the middle, the average, you know, the, the median of, of, of uh, where people are. Evolution yes. is just about moving that whole curve forward so that the middle ends up in a higher place. But there's always that leading edge that that's yes. starts like almost nothing and then begins to zoom up and grow. And and I think that if you're talking about the population of people that experience certain things, uh, you know, the, the transition is also about that bell-shaped curve of humanity moving forward so that more and more people cross the border into which uh, they begin to experience um, other parts of reality. Yes, there will also be people that are on the other side of the curve that aren't feeling it yet. Very true. It's very true. And, and of course, I naturally, with the law of attraction, am attracting clients who want to understand, who want more information, who want to know why they've experienced this or why they're dissatisfied with their career choice or whatever the, their experience may be. And generally what I'm finding for myself is I'm attracting the people who want to feel the validation of those indigo characteristics because, again, right. your book ties into this theme very strongly Spirit speak. What we're doing is speaking with spirit since we were very young, the indigo energy, the more highly evolved souls. And so they're looking for that information and that more importantly the validation that, yes, I am talking to spirits. Yes, when I meet people, I can read them like I would read a book, but it's energy. Right. I don't exactly know what, what to do with this quite yet, but, yes, this is occurring. <laughs> you know, these sorts of phenomenon. And, for me, it came very um, eloquently through academics. I had a photographic memory, but I couldn't understand why. I mean, it was just grace, right. and I, so I learned it through a very traditional perspective. But mm -hmm. once I shifted into the spiritual realm, I mean, I jumped in with both feet and went, ha, ha, I always could see pictures. Now I get why. I'm clairvoyant. <laughs> right, because that's your native language. Yes, it's my spiritual truth. Right. Right. <laughs> Yes, and so again, many, many, many people are awakening to this. It's like you said, if the 2% and the tails are leading, it's just a domino effect. It's a trickle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so the book Spirit Speak is a great tool for people who are looking for that information, that validation, that understanding. And what I really like what you do in the book, again, is you do a great job at organizing the spiritual paradigm from a very educated and thorough perspective and educated meaning personal experience integrated with that scientific energetic background and and then also break down really simple terms like when I was reading through the book I was so validated because of course I'm I'm clairvoyant and people say what do you call yourself what are you are you a medium? Are you an astrologer? What are you? And I'm like, well, I'm not an astrologer because I was adopted, so I don't really know my birth time. So that was never really like relevant for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
so that wasn't, unfortunately, I didn't grab that one. But, okay, I'm really clairvoyant. I meet people. I can read them, and I can, like, tell you their motives, their experience, what they think about their family, their life, their career, their mm-hmm. children, what their tele- telepathy. I could re- tell you what they're thinking about situations occurring in the moment. You know, I'm having all these experiences. And, and what I really found is that I experience mediation. I'm not really channeling. I never have no, channeled. No. And I don't go, and I am a medium. I can see when mm-hmm. spirits come into my seventh chakra and, and, you know, try to help me with the information or just show me information clairvoyantly, you know, using mediumship through pictures. I do that, you know, commonly, but it's always very organic. It's, it's not something that I'm even very conscious of. It happens, right. and then I think about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the primary hallmark there is that, that the, it's almost um, – uh, rather than having to shift gears, whether it's a car or a bicycle, um, somebody who's mediating has kind of like an infinite gear shift so that they can move um, through all the different layers and frequencies smoothly without even pausing to change. It's a, it's a completely smooth and organic process. It, it, I guess there's, you know, one of the things in the book that I, I tried as best I could is that is to be as as friendly and as open to all the different um, systems of belief and practice, but at the same time, I did try to create some boundaries. And it's pretty clear that I don't tell people this is the way you must define things, but for the purpose of the book so that we can have a real discussion, can we agree to these terms? Now, that doesn't mean you have to uh, adopt them, but I find that it's very valuable. Uh, One thing... true also in the book is that I, that I bring up quite a bit of information about not only the benefits, but also the risks involved. Um, and it, it's kind of funny. And I think sometimes it's because there's such a separation between spirit and matter psychologically for a lot of people that, that uh, they forget that, there, that everything that we learn or know about the physical world has its analog in, in the spiritual planes. So you know, if you can, if you can over, if you if you're a weekend warrior and you overextend yourself, um, you know, playing tennis over the weekend, it's no wonder you're sore for a few days afterwards. If you're not used to stretching your metaphysical muscles and and suddenly you are doing all this work in a short span of time, shouldn't there also be the equivalent of sore muscles and and tight tendons? Sure. Certainly. Uh, and and people forget that because that's got to be spirit. It has to be limitless. It has to be. Well, yes, ultimate spirit is limitless. <laughs> but the, 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 the uh, part of your subtle body that you just worked so hard this weekend at that workshop that you went to, um, maybe it's a little bit stiff and sore from all that use of uh, it in ways that uh, you haven't done for a long time. Certainly. Or not at all. Or not at all. So, so I think the other balancing thing in the book is that there's also a fair discussion about the fact that, sure, you can get stronger, you can get clearer, but um, you you have to approach all spiritual endeavors in the same way that you would approach um, a plan for developing your body or developing your mind. It has to be done a little bit at a time and consistently, or else you can get a, a spiritual Charlie horse. Very, very true. And I think that that's a really important point that you bring up in the book, and I'll tie this right in, is for sure. my clients, they, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, I want a reading every week. And I tell them, um, well, you know, the way that I read, I'm reading your core pictures. As a, as a clairvoyant, that's just my style. That's my gift. So if you have something going on in the surface, I'm looking at what you're telling me is appearing on the surface. And then I dig 20 layers down to the core picture that holds all that energy. And I just, 
I open it up for healing or for looking at, for awareness. And if I did that once a week, I don't know that someone could maintain their job and their balance and their life and absorb the energy. (laughs) No, I don't think that would be good for anyone. And that's what I try to explain to them. And when they want to do that, it's, that again, that codependence of, well, if they say this and it happens this way, then I don't have to be accountable because it wasn't really my idea anyways. And right. so I've I've really learned to, you know, create a law of attraction where I'm bringing clients who want that support two or three times a year to just really check in with their energy. But it takes months. I tell people sometimes what I will say in one 30-minute reading, it won't make sense to your mind for six months. And in a year from now, you'll be reaping the energetic benefits. Hmm. So, you can know, I, it just, yeah. uh, it's just, it's important. I, it's it's very important because, you know, the, the goal is to help. <laughs> and and that doesn't, and uh, I, I do know of, of folks that, and it's not a question of ethics, it's a question of whether or not they know any better, but, you know, I do know people that offer healings or consultations over and over and over again in a short span of time, um, and they're not doing their friends or clients any good. I I would fully have to agree, and it's not a judgment here. The point that I was trying to make is yeah. in the or what I'm tying it into in the book in medit in um, Appendix D, you have a meditation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the dream of a tree path mm-hmm. working. Yeah. And I thought it was beautiful and I thought it was really ethical and valuable that you mentioned to do it once a month to let the energy resonate and integrate. Yeah, it it would any no matter how wholesome something is, you know, like water is good for you, but too much of it in a day will kill you. <laughs> yes, yes. And it doesn't matter how good something is um, for you. It, it, it's, it's all about the proper amount of anything. There's, there's also, um, it's, it's my belief also, and I, I mentioned it in the book in a couple of different ways that, um, you know, we tend often to be very human centric, but, you know, we're not the only ones that live on the planet. Um, and I'm not just talking about the plants and animals, but also the beings that are spiritual beings that are attached to this place, but are, but are not in physical bodies. And they all have a say as well, or, or certainly have their input as to what happens over the course of the next few decades and centuries on, on planet Earth. So I think that the other thing to consider is that in addition to there being this growing number of people that are open to or um, have a desire to seek out contact with other sorts of beings and other sorts of realms of consciousness, it goes both ways. And, and there are a lot of people that are being nudged, prodded, encouraged to open up or at least to receive a message um, from the other direction. And it it creates a bit of turbulence um, because we have people that may or may not be ready getting the call from someone or something. And we have people that um, are are ready that are also seeking and, and that creates a different kind of friction. Sure. Anytime there's a major transition within, you know, the human species, it really, in a sense, just like it would be on a personal level when you go through a major transition in your life, mm-hmm. there's in a sense a hurricane effect. There's a lot going on in the air and a lot, a lot, and in, in, not in jeopardy, but not in its place. So there's not a lot of stability. But it's like with an organic chemistry reaction, it's like the chemical reaction has to be displaced to create a more stable, resonant outcome. Right to create a higher, or actually would be a lower energetic vibration in, in terms of organic chemistry is the desired outcome. And so it's just that the message is it, it really there is that need for that shift, that alchemy to create 
a more grand outcome. And there has to be that question and that turbulence and that unknowingness. But with tools like your book, Spirit Speak, and all the other great messengers and spiritual teachers that are crossing the planet, it's just keeping focused on the desire direction and keeping ourselves in tune with, with what serves the higher good. And I think, again, in the book, there's a great quote that you said, what spirit beings are upholders of the health and balance of the universe in your belief system? Get to know them. They are important. So I think if each of us on this search took that question into accountability, what spirit beings are upholders of the health and balance of the universe in your belief system? And I know for me it's the angels, the archangels, the ascended masters, and, and of course the creator, the source of all of right. life from a, for me on a physics level. And and so that just is really just about using that higher energy vibration and really connecting with, with the truth for me. And mm-hmm. and so I think if each individual on their journey was able to tap into what the the spirit beings are, who are they and what are they doing and what is their purpose. And I think your book, Spirit Speak, again, offers great tools to understand the levels of deity and to understand how to work with the angels or the archangels or the goddesses or the god. And just, again, like you said, using operational definitions within the paradigm of the book just to make meaning. But people can feel free to shift them as needed if it doesn't, you know, align 100% in their own perception. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think one of the things that is that um, something we mentioned a few times, and, and you brought up my, my phrase "informed subjectivity." Uh, the only the only true objectivity can, that can exist is is, is when we are um, one and the same as, as the totality of things. When you are truly one with the divine, then you have objectivity. Last time I checked. Not too many of us are there yet. <laughs> so, so, so that the best we can do then is to take into account all the things that we know, um, all the things that we know about ourselves, all the things that we know about the the beliefs that we've uh, chosen to to use as the building blocks to uh, make sense of the world around us, um, and become aware of. Um, the, the frailties and, and limitations of those things, and come up with our our best guess, our, our approximate uh, understanding of something. You know, just about everybody um, knows that uh, pi uh, goes on forever. But you know, most times, if you are um, cutting something to to make a, a circular um, thing, say for a tabletop or whatever, and you're trying to figure out the circumference or whatever. You only need pi out to like four digits to be pretty close to everything you might need in day-to-day life. Yes. So, so that just because we aren't can't become absolutely one with the infinite right now doesn't mean that we can't develop an approximation that is functionally as good as what we need for the work we do. Yes, especially in the low, low vibration that we've chosen to exist. I mean, third dimensional reality is such a low vibration. Putting us in tune with something that high of a vibration, it just doesn't seem right on a physics level to me. (laughs) Right. There needs to be some mediators and a breaker. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, the angels, it's a good example. One of the authors that came on, she had this great um, meditation, Susan uh-huh. Carroll. She said, you know, the angels, what they do is they go up and they charge themselves like we do our cell phones with the Creator. Uh-huh. And then they drop down back onto the earthly vibration with a higher vibration than they had the last charge to help raise our vibration um, in this dimension. And I thought that was such a beautiful analogy of the angels and what they do. And it just really showed the role of we need something to mediate our direct connection to the Creator on a true energy level. Of course, we can tap into those glimpses, those moments, those synchronicities, the divine awe, wonder, etc. But ultimately, on a vibrational level, if we directly connected with that one, I think we would transcend third dimension. We would. Um, and, and this has you know, often uh, been, been, been said uh, in, in different uh, stories and, and myths. Um, usually what happens when human beings you know, beg and plead and ask, oh, I want to see you in your true form, um, speaking to gods or goddesses or the divine. If if their wish gets granted, they cease to be human. <laughs> certainly, certainly. Uh, and I can just see that very clearly. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, they, they, they cease, you know, um, the, the uh, uh, borrowing from uh, from the Abrahamic stream, it's kind of like, you know, you know and, and, and uh, Enoch walked with God and was no more. Um, because if you if you actually do that, then then uh, you don't fit here. Exactly, it's the opposite of what we came here to experience. Right, and that's and that's okay. And there may be there may come a time when uh, particular people are, are that's the thing that they're supposed to do. But more often than not, it's it's more the question of um, too much, too fast and the circuit breaker pops and and they're back here and now. Yeah. I guess an, I guess another way of comparing it is that this work is is very much um like trying to uh climb Mount Everest or any other high mountain. Yeah. You have you you don't go even if you had the physical stamina you wouldn't climb straight to the top. You would stop at different elevations to let your body and your lungs acclimate to the air pressure and to the amount of oxygen available and then yeah. continue onwards. Um, if you were going in the other direction, deep sea diving, as you're coming back up, you have to wait so that you don't uh, get uh, nitrogen bubbles forming in your blood and get the bends. So that, you know, part of it is, sure, there's a lot to be learned on the way because the journey is what matters. But aside from the fact that you learn from the journey, um, the vehicle that you're using, your physical body, your, and it, by saying that, I also include your subtle bodies, also have to make all the adaptations that they make. Yes. Allowing so, ourselves to really absorb the vibrations of the changes is a really yeah. important part of the process. I think there I think is, I think there's no way to to uh transcend the fact that adaptation takes time. I would have to agree. That's probably been one of my patients' lessons. Uh, in my in my experience it's just completely taught me patience. Because as a spirit, I had everything I knew. In, like, in, for instance, in 2002 or 2005, I had these great epiphany moments and experiences that were just grand. And I thought, great, I have everything I need to know. It'll all happen tomorrow. <laughs> I was very uh, disillusioned <laughs> by this process. Of, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's one of the things that, it, that, I, that I often uh, fear, fear. And, you know, and this is one of my fears. Um, and it's especially, I, I think I speak most 
clearly about it in my chapter on divine embodiment. Yes. When 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 beings, gods, goddesses, uh, spirit guides, angels, um, descend into or inhabit for time, uh, use a person as a vessel to to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, when it happens, that can be one of the most amazing and um, enlivening, healing, powerful experiences. When it doesn't happen well or it happens poorly, it can also lead to you know great disillusionment. And I think yes. that sometimes we, we lose people or they take a stumble off the path because they're disillusioned by, by um, seeing or experiencing something that didn't quite hit the mark and comes across more like theater than, than a genuine experience. And, you know, I have to tell you that that is very valid. And within my own experience, I had to – it was really interesting. I was a scientist, and then I was going to a graduate program in Palo Alto, a Ph.D. program. Uh-huh. And I, I chose not to pursue that any longer. While I was working at Stanford, I began studying at the Berkeley Psychic Institute affiliate in Marin County. Right. And they pretty much teach you about beings, anything beyond the third dimension. We learned mm-hmm. that we're the third dimension, we're the ultimate, right. their premises, we're the ultimate master of our body. Our spirit is, you know, meant to inhabit our body. But there are many other spirit beings that want to inhabit the body, and they go into astral travel and different dimensions. And, you know, they mm-hmm. do a great job of breaking this information down. And so mm-hmm. in giving me this information, it helped me to understand that I was my own best master, I was my own best teacher, I was my own best healer. And what I found is that in my process, I started encountering everything other than what I was, which was light and angels. And just this, I, I, I mean, within my own self, when I see my spirit, um, as, a, as a, a spirit being, I'm very tall, I'm very indigo, it's a very beautiful essence. And then mm-hmm. I was going into these environments where I was seeing black, yucky things with red eyes, and mm-hmm. there was just, you know, the, the opposite of what I was hoping to experience. And what I found was spirit was teaching me discernment with what energies I'm working with, what energies I allow into my space, and then also realizing my self-empowerment, that even if six angels are sitting over me with a book, if Mm -hmm. I want to go, you know, do something different, if I want to go be an accountant, they're going to support me. The book will be there. And so I think a lot of people think, oh, well, it was an angel. I have to listen. (laughs) That, That hierarchy, oh, that religious programming or, you know, illusion. And so I think part of learning spirit is understanding that there are spirit guides in the light, there are spirit guides in the dark, there are spirit guides on all vibrations. And just making sure that you know what vibration you want to resonate with and that you want to carry forth so that you can discern, just like with people, there are good people in the world, there are bad people in the world. And and spirit is, I think, very much the same. Yeah, I I think that uh, the the best way to look at it... uh, Probably most of your listeners have heard some variation of the hermetic axiom, uh, as above, so below. Yes. Um, and usually the phrase is expanded with uh, as above, so below, but in a different manner. Or, you know, the wording varies a bit from tradition to tradition, but the idea is pretty much the same. All right. Well, if you look around the world, there are people that are, um, you know, full of pain and anger and fear. There are people that are joyful. There are people that are working hard. There are people that are everywhere on on the full possible spectrum of ways to be. Um, 
and some of them are even in that nasty category that we might consider to be a sociopath. Well, I, my take on it is that the vast majority of the beings that are out there that are not physical are just like the human race in the following sense. I agree. Most of them are striving and doing the best that they can, and they're, they're on their journey, and they've got their boo-boos and their frailties, and they've got their strengths, but they're doing what they can. And there are also some that are so ill that um, their actions bring about all manner of negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I've seen, <clears throat> and this is, it, the book is for me, was interesting for me because <clears throat> every time I've talked to somebody about the book, depending upon what background or what their practice is about, they, they really approach different pieces of it. Um, <clears throat> for example, uh, right now, the whole um, uh, ghost hunter phenomena is just so huge in this country. Yes. And in part that on one level that really you know is a, a positive expression in the sense of uh, more people awakening and exploring and, and realizing that there's more uh, than the physical world, et cetera. So on, on one hand, it can be a positive thing. And on the other hand, um, you know, it, it's also encouraging people to uh, poke their heads into encounters with some of the least evolved <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, of, of the energies that they're likely to uh, encounter when they begin their spiritual search. Yes. So, so the, you know, there's, there's pros and cons, but I always warn people, <clears throat> just because it doesn't have a body doesn't make it wise and noble. Yes, very true. That's a very um, important piece of information. It, it really is, and 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 if you're and if you're doing uh, investigations into places that have a a, a a history of disturbances, now and I'm saying real disturbances, not just that people are um, shocked or frightened because they see something that's not physical, but if there's a history of of some real disturbance, then it is it that there's such a terrible tragedy that's literally impressed itself onto the material of, of time and place there? Um, and that's not necessarily something that's healthy for a sensitive person to hook into. Certainly. Is, is, it, a, is it truly a living spirit or is it merely a recording? Um, though I, I'll also point out something else to, to them as well, and that you know, time's not a very simple thing. Time's a lot more complicated and Sometimes the beings that they encounter that are, are vehemently saying, no, I, really, I'm not dead. And they're going, oh, you poor spirit, you're so so confused. You know, don't, you don't know you're dead. Um, do you, one, of, one of my beliefs is that uh, when we, we sleep, many of us travel, and, and not just to other planes, but also backwards and forwards in time. If, if the dreaming you... Um, in its dreaming, traveled into the future and were perceived by people that were either sensitive or were in a place where the veils were thin, they would be perceiving you as a ghost, though in truth you're asleep in your bed traveling to the future. Very true. So, so, so the, the, other thing, the other thing to consider is, is, is that uh, when encountering beings that appear to be human, um, there, there's a lot of consideration and, and not just to automatically have folks assume that they actually know what's going on. Um, it, it may be indeed a, a traveler from another time that there's a reason why they're there. It may be that it's just a broken tape loop. It may be that it's an unpleasant being. 
it may be that um, it's not who they present themselves to be, and this is true also in, in matters of um, of channeling or, or mediation or, or, or any kind of information communication. Um, are you familiar with uh, Dolores Ashcroft Nowicki? Actually, I've not, not heard of her. Yeah, she she's uh, in Britain, and, and uh, she's written quite a few books. And she's uh, an occultist is probably a better term over there. And she's also an incredibly good, uh, sensitive, very very psychic woman. Turns eighty next year. She's she's been around the block a few times. Um, <laughs> she she um, tells a story in one of her workshops about how. She, one of the things she likes to do is to check out all the mediums and channelers that she runs across to see if they're any good and to see if they're actually valid because a lot of people approach her with you know requests for who should I go to see. And she, she went um, to see this woman in Britain, and she was rather skeptical, um, but went, and, and the woman provided her with lots of amazing information that she could verify as, as true both from the past and things that uh, were coming out of the woman's mouth uh, through, the, through the medium of... Uh, um, some being that she was channeling, uh, and it was all incredibly powerfully accurate. So Dolores looked at the woman who was fully under in some some trance. That we I wasn't there, so I can't tell you what flavor of trance it was. But she asked the being, "So tell me who you really are, because I don't believe that you're an angel." And there was a, a moment, and, and then the being said, "Well, I'm not an angel. I'm I'm, I'm one of this woman's guides." but she's a devout Christian, and if I didn't say I was an angel, she wouldn't let me through. Very, very well said. And to this day, the woman apparently is still doing good work, and I'm, I'm sure that, that she works with, with angels and the divine in a lot of ways, but the particular being that actually brings her the messages and puts them in her mouth is a highly evolved human spirit, that has but to you, use but, the the facade of an angel for her to sure receive. sure and 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 the reason I bring that up is that um, <clears throat> sometimes when people seek communication with uh, the dead because they're still in emotional trauma now, um, let's say that uh, somebody desperately wants to talk to their favorite aunt who who died uh, last year. Mm-hmm. They're they're just so 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 grief stricken that they seek out. A medium and the medium brings forth information from their aunt and it all it all lines up and it's all accurate and the person feels relieved that their aunt is doing well and that uh, that they're still loved and whatever it was that they needed it doesn't have for all we know for all we know that person's dear aunt is still in their process of reviewing and coming to terms with the life that they just finished they yeah. probably, you know, they they, they probably tapped uh, tapped uh, you know grandma on the shoulder. Could you go down and fill in for me and just tell her what she needs to hear? Certainly, certainly, we can't actually discern who the spirit being is that's communicating that accurate information. Yeah, and 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 the thing is that we forget that um, that then uh, when folks pass on, um, they have a lot of work to do as well. And there are certainly times when when they will you know make the visit themselves, but as long as needs are attended to, then it's all good. So that um, when people say, "Well, you know, do you think that was really you know Aunt Bessie?" Does it matter as long as the the message that came clearly came from her and was meaningful to help you heal or experience and, yeah, vibration and, with more peace? Right, right. 
yeah. think once in a while we I actually had um something happen two weeks ago that was uh, a visit um and I believe it was actually a visit from um uh, somebody who had just passed on um it was I was doing something very mundane I was at uh, uh one of those big you know giant uh, uh warehouse kind of Lowe's Home Depot kind of places because I my uh, lawnmower had, had bit the dust after too many years of use and I had to finally get a new one. I couldn't repair it one more time. So I was looking for a lawnmower and um, yeah, trying to find one that seemed right and walking down the aisle next to the lawnmowers and, and uh, the power tools and whatever, I saw this guy that looked just like my friend Jimmy Dewey did when he was uh, in his 20s. And I went, wow, that looks just like Jimmy did back in his 20s. Didn't think too much of it. Um, I was with a couple of folks, and then when we got back in the car, I said, did you see that guy? He looked just like Jimmy Dewey. No one else saw the guy, and he looked physical, as in I did not see him in spirit. I saw him as walking physically down the aisle. Yes. And that evening, um, I get a phone call, that um, Jimmy Dewey had uh, passed away of liver cancer. Um, I had not heard from him in years. He'd been a friend in, when I was in college. He had passed away in California, actually, and um, I was being called. And part of it, he wants part that he wanted part of his ashes, you know, scattered at our place. You know, they're being split up in a couple of places. But I think, you know, and it was just total shock. I didn't even know he'd had liver cancer or that he died, and he was uh, considerably, uh, you know, younger than me. But I think that um, some portion of him decided to take a stroll looking healthy and fit and like I remembered him so that when the call came, I, I would immediately have it, the, the message in my head as well, I'm fine. Yes, yes, that is so very accurate. You know, I've had similar experiences, and it's so amazing when you feel so validated and understood and understand that everything is okay, that there's been a transition, a shift in the energy. But on the other side, it's great as well. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it, it's all good. And, and probably there was, you know, quite a bit of relief to, to not be, you know, doing the struggle challenge of, uh, of, uh, of, of dying slowly. Yes. Well, I want to I wanna connect here with the fact that we are limitless spiritual beings on this earthly journey to learn, grow, evolve, expand, and face the aspects of who we are not, the illusions of fear, separation, loneliness, and all other fear-based emotions. As we encounter the fears, face them, they begin to dissolve, and we experience healing, spiritual growth, and, and accomplish another layer toward wholeness. Life is a process of healing, cycles, patterns, awareness, and the opportunity to choose and create your experience as you desire. Empower yourself and those around you by choosing an authentic and masterful existence. You are your own best master, teacher, and healer. Next week, please join me with the captivating book, Medicine Dance, a powerful look into a woman's healing journey in the world of Native American sweat lodges, drumming meditations, and dance fasts as she faced overcoming a major health obstacle. And on July 24th, the medium, intuitive, and human design analyst, Jana Hollingsworth, will share her unique talents and offerings and also share with the audience how to ask her a burning question on her weekly medium column through the Internet. Please email me questions for Jana that I will read on air for her to answer, including your first name, city, state, country, and question. On July 31st, Chrissy Blaze will be reappearing to discuss the wonderful book with Gary Blaze, co-author of Power Prayer, 
with a foreword written by Marianne Williamson. Please join us. On August 7th, most accurate medium, psychic, and enlightened author, Jock Brokus, with his powerful wisdom and professional expertise in a well-rounded personal portrait emphasizing the importance of the intuitive gift in this modern-day existence that lies inherently deep within each human being. In his latest book release, Powers of the Sixth Sense. On August 14th, Alan Arcieri will be offering his practical and enriching book, Earth School 101, Who We Are, Where We Are, and Why We Are Here, with quotes from the Ascended Masters that line the pages, a must-read. On August 21st, Amit Goswami will be appearing with his latest book release, God is Not Dead, but Quantum Physics tells us about our origins and how we should live. Amit offers a balanced concept of life in both material and quantum worlds to fully maximize consciousness. He was featured in the popular quantum physics movie from 2005, What the Bleep Do We Know? Please join us. On August 28th, Michelle Epiphany Prosser will help you to get in touch with the divine with a simple and profound approach in her book release, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting. Michelle offers her teachings about optimizing the law of attraction with the power of prayer. On September 11th, Carol Obley will offer her deeply powerful book that gently reminds us that true love is eternal love. The barrier of physicality is an illusion in her compelling and true story that richly fill the pages in her latest book release, I'm Still With You, True Stories of Healing Grief Through Spirit Communication. On September 18th, Jocelyn Chaplin will be offering from the UK her highly integrated and deeply enlightening perspective in her book release, Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythms. On October 16th, Robert Schwartz will be appearing with his wise and insightful perspective on pre-birth planning, or a spirit's look at the events and people that one will experience during their human existence through revealing true stories and a strong emphasis on Robert's personal experience in the book release, Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life Challenges Before Birth? You can purchase all of our authors' books at Amazon.com, www.amazon.com, or you can link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the new revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com under the Evolution Revolution tab and in the blue talk shoe player boxes under Select a Past Episode. They can also be found on clicking the talk shoe link under the header. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day to listen, download, or just for the moment at no charge. The archives include amazing talent such as Michael Skaronsky, Dr. Susan Carroll, Karen Sawyer, Dr. Daniel Condren, Dr. Laurel Clark, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Dr. Adrian Windsor, Chrissy Blaze, Neil Donna Walsh, Taylor Wilshire, Dr. Barbara Condren, Jeff Brown, Anna Maria Hemingway, Charles Virtue, Michael Tamura, Marla Martinson, Michael Brown, Richard Blackstone, David Robert Ord, Megan Skinner, Dr. Lisa Love, Jennifer Weigel, Dr. Betty Youngs, Paula Marie Jackson, and myself. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere. You can explore my clairvoyant reading page on the website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com 
which includes testimonials from clients and my contact information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please email me on the Contact Us page at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com and let me know of your interest. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Evo Dominguez, Jr. Thank you so much, Evo. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom in your book, Spirit Speak, Knowing and Understanding Spirit Guides, Ancestors, Ghosts, Angels, and the Divine. Thank you so much. It's been a great experience. Wonderful. We look forward to hearing from you in the future. Oh, I hope so. And and, uh, check out my website. It's uh, got a lot of goodies on it, including uh, upcoming workshops and appearances. Great. That's at www.evodominguezjr.com. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the new and revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Good night.